so excited to have my friend Joseph Bojang with me. And um, we've uh, finally met in person. I was so thrilled uh, just a week before recording this. We finally met in person at a conference and it was so fun uh, and also so surreal because it felt like we had known each other in person for a lot longer. So um, Joseph, I'm really excited to just have everyone get to know you a little bit here in this quick interview. Thanks for jumping on. Valerie, it is great to be here and it was great to meet you as well. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, um, so you have just a lot of different um, facets to what you do and how you are working with people and how you're making a change in the world. And um, so I'd love for you just to give a little bit of an overview because I know you initially from the marketing end of things, but you are so much more than that. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you're involved in these days. Yeah. So um, to everyone listening out there, my name is Joseph and I have a company that does marketing campaigns for folks. So primarily specialize in Facebook ads, Google ads, and also running social um, organic kind of content as well. So that's the business. That's what pays the bills. Um, but I also have something on the um, on the side, like most entrepreneurs that are doing, that are always um, growing another business, another revenue stream. So I, I enjoy crypto, NFTs, things as, like that as well. And also helping folks and other business owners that don't have me as clients, but actually be a part of masterminding. So that when they're trying to take their business or even create their own expertise, type business or info product, I take them through a mastermind of helping them with their goal achievement, goal selection, and then implementing uh, their marketing campaigns as well. That's wonderful. Yeah, you've, uh, you've gotten to see a lot of cool things over the years with some of the campaigns that you worked on. And um, just before we hit record on this today, you were telling me about how you've got another mastermind starting up here soon. And um, just in, in some of our conversations over the last few months, there's just a lot of cool things going on with masterminding. Um, it's, it's really been fun to see for, from you. So, yeah, I think a, an important thing for masterminding, it's one of those weird words. So if you're not an entrepreneur, it, it might be very foreign to you. Um, and if you're just now hearing it for the first time, a definition I like is most of us have goals. We have business, um, opportunities, we have hard decisions to make. So the idea behind a mastermind is to have a group of people with um, insight and hopefully the ability to be active listeners. And with all of those minds, help you think through problems, um, help you come up with solutions for your own business and for your own life. So I found it very helpful for me. And that's the way that I've been able to have a lot of success. And it's one thing that I enjoy doing. Um, so, uh, this is the act, this is the first year I've decided to start creating my own. And it's been a lot of fun to help people, um, create their own goals, whether it's for marketing or business, and then start um, pursuing those. And I'm actually not doing the work. And in many cases, they're not hiring my company to do their marketing activities, but they're using their own teams or they're doing it themselves. And it's just been a really fun time and I enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, I can see this happening for a long time. That's really cool. From your experience, whether being a participant or now kind of, you know, spearheading it, what have you seen is like the key to success for somebody that's thinking about joining mastermind and really like maximizing their experience? 
Yeah. So I've, I've been in some bad masterminds and, um, <laughs> what I would consider a bad mastermind, I guess, before I talk about a good one, it's, it's important to understand what hasn't worked for me. And I think the things that don't work is when people loosely or casually join. And what happens is that you get a group of people that are excited to have a community of other folks, um, but they might casually join. So some of their problems or some of the um, opportunities that they're looking to have other people think through with them, they um, don't really get good feedback or one person hears someone say something and they're always giving feedback or always giving their um, opinion about a situation instead of helping someone think through uh, so that you can have situations like that where there's not really clear goal of the group. Um, the best ones that I've been in actually have some direction. So it could be a mastery type mastermind where maybe there's one potential um, leader of the group that's actually going to teach. You know, there's mastery to, to learn. There's something to gain. There's understanding that you'll get from this person. And that person will kind of take you on a journey um, and help other people implement. There's the fishbowl type where people are you know, giving an insight into what they do. So there's many different ways that you can set up a mastermind, but I think it's better to always have a particular goal of why you're joining a mastermind. Mm -hmm. And there's always cycles to everything in life, right? There's daytime, there's nighttime, there's on, there's off. And I think there's cycles to mastermind. So if you join one and you're similar to me, I think it's always best to um, think about what you're joining for and keep yourself aware of if this is the mastermind that's serving you for the opportunity, solutions, and um, life and business issues you're wanting to talk about with other people. And I think as long as you can go into that and you're with a group of people that are committed to show up, to be involved, and if they're not, um, there's a way to offboard those folks um, in a very dignifying way so that they, right. you know, other people in the group realize that. Um, this is a place that I can actually learn and grow. So um, in my masterminds, I try to do that. I try to make sure everyone that's there is committed. And if they're not, well, hey, this is something you can think about in the future. But they come and they have a goal. They have um, something they're trying to accomplish. And that just makes it fun. It makes it fun for everyone. And you get to yeah. see other people be successful. And then that makes you want to work harder. And um, so it's a great thing. Uh, hopefully that answered your question. But yeah, as you can see, I'm very oh, excited sure. about masterminding. Yeah, yeah. I've been a, a part of a few myself. And that's actually how you and I both met as well. We're being in a mastermind together, which is, I would say kind of falls under that fishbowl concept where it's more peer led. What I've appreciated about our mastermind is just the level of uh, commitment we all have, not just to the group, but to our businesses. You know, mm -hmm. everyone that's in that group is taking their business just as seriously, if not more than I am. And so like what you were, you said towards the tail end there was, you know, you, you, what other people are doing kind of rubs off on you, you know? And so being surrounded by people who are doing cool things and it just forces me to level up too. Mm -hmm. So outside of the fact that there's so many other benefits to getting other perspectives on things and um, just different angles and different ideas about problems or ideas that you have in your business, um, the accountability that just happens just merely by showing up and seeing that other people are out doing their thing is, is the kick in the pants I need <laughs> to do more myself. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you've, uh, you've been doing a lot in terms of some of these campaigns for clients and, um, you know, I, I just know you're a little humble, but, um, I know that you've brought some amazing results for, for people largely on the paid side of, uh, digital media. I'm curious, um, what have you seen is kind of a, a good foundation for people mm. in terms of setting up a campaign for success and for, for that effort to be worth every penny that they're pouring in? Yeah. So I, I usually follow a system that I have, and I'll talk about here in a second. But before I, I do, I think it's important for everyone to understand that there's not all paid advertising is the same, especially when it's online. And um, I like to think of it as there's a paid advertising that involves intent and there's paid advertising that involves identity. So if you have a business or if you're just trying to grow a side business, it's important to understand that if you're going to run advertising on Google or on YouTube, um, specifically one of their search engine um, methods or even on Bing, you're going after people when you know their intent because they come to the search engine, they come to YouTube and they write in how to um, find a content marketing company. And they do that search and then there's an ad there by Valerie Morris, her company, and it says, work with us, we do content marketing. When you know their intent, their intent, there's a certain type of campaign you can run and there's certain questions you ask for that. A lot of people are gonna do um, ads around this idea of identity meaning they're going to get on Facebook, they're going to get on um, other social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and might not know the intent of someone at a particular moment, but they know a profile of the customer they're looking for. So whenever you're, you understand first that there's different type of ads that you're going to run on different types of platforms, then you start asking those questions of, well, who are we going for? Are we going for cold leads, warm leads, hot leads? Um, what are the questions they're asking? Um, what are the next steps that we want them to take for our business? Um, what can we actually afford? What's a cost per lead? Um, and for anyone that's new to advertising or hasn't done it, essentially your cost per lead, you're trying to understand for every dollar you spend, how much does it take to get someone to call you or to book a meeting or to do per, a particular action? So I think that is the most important part. Uh, a lot of people that do what I do um, go out and talk about, we can do all these things for you. And it's really hard to do all these quote things um, because most people aren't ready for advertising. So I think if it's a service business and it depends on the industry, but for most businesses, if they're starting out and they provide a service, I think before you're making $10,000 a month, I usually say don't run ads. Um, and it can be larger, older type businesses. And sometimes they're not set up for ads because they can get an increase of leads and not really be able to fulfill those leads. And yeah. people get um, a, a bad idea about their business. So I think there's fundamentals like that that are important in setting up campaigns and, and getting started. And once a person can do that, then it it's the fun part of your creative, your video, your copy, all those things. But start with the fundamentals and then the creative will change over time. So that's something that comes um, in the second part of any successful ad campaign that I've been a part of. Yeah. Now, what has been one of the like continual like missteps or mistakes that you see business owners making when they jump into any sort of paid media? Yeah, they don't know what they want. 
They just mm-hmm. want customers. They don't know how much a lead costs now. They don't know how much they're willing to pay for a lead. So whenever it comes to budget, they don't really have numbers. Um, so that's probably the biggest mistake when someone comes to me for working with them. But when I see people running them on their own, it's, I, I don't know if I would say it's a mistake, but it's usually the technical things. They're not um, running A-B tests on their landing pages. They're not um, accounting for um, conversions. So they're not tracking when people land on the, the conversion page or the thank you page if um, they're tracking that so they can start getting numbers. So usually when they're just starting out, it's the technical stuff. If they're not doing that, they're expecting me to do it because they're coming to me. Then it's, do they have an idea of their customer, how much they want to pay? And that's normally where people (laughs) get into a lot of trouble. So um, I definitely recommend people think into that before starting. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I'm just picturing all the clients that come my way and talk about stuff and they, they just have no clue. They haven't thought through those foundations either. And I, you know, a couple of years ago, I had somebody come to me, uh, a real estate agent, actually, he didn't even have his license yet. He was in the process of becoming a real estate agent. And he heard some big marketing guru speak at a conference about how you got to be doing Facebook ads. And, you know, if you're not, you're missing out. And so he, reached out to somebody looking for help with um, social media ads and they gave him my name. And I just, I talked to him and I said, you don't even have a landing page. Mm. You don't even have a license. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what you are. You, there's no offer of what you're doing. You're just putting your name out there and your name doesn't have anything behind it yet. Um, there are so many people out there that are just, they hear somebody say you should do X, Y, Z, and they don't do the legwork that's necessary to make sure one, is this the right thing to do? Uh, because for this guy, maybe Google ads would have been better Mm -hmm. for him, you Mm -hmm. know, um, maybe getting his license first would have been better, but you know, there's just a, you know, some legwork that has to happen regardless of whether it's paid media, it's organic, it's inbound, like any of that kind of stuff. Um, you have to do a little bit of that foundational work um, yeah. and it can save you literally thousands in, in the, on the, on the backside of things. So, yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely right. And I, I think for some folks, you know, they might not be absolutely ready and there's a point for list building, but you definitely want to know that you're going to be around for a while. So you, you want your, your license and, and other things in place. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, just the whole concept of like, you know, can you even handle this? You know, if we start throwing leads your way, you're like, I'm not sure you really thought this through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So I'm curious, um, little Joseph back in the day, did he ever think that he would be running ad campaigns for a living? Or was there something else you always dreamed of doing? Yeah, I I never had any desire to own a business. And I know people talk about that. Like ever since I was in grade school, I had lemonade stands and uh, sold candy, you know, all those things. So that was never a desire of mine. I actually, so my first degree is in theology. I thought I was going to be a pastor. And um, so there's a long story there. And and then my second, my master's degree or third degree actually is in um, human relations. So I thought I was going to school to be a counselor or a psychologist. I wasn't sure. 
and um, decided I didn't want to sit in an office with people and just talk about their problems. So I've always had an interest in people. That's the undeniable through line for me. Sure. The marketing is people. So that that's kind of been a way to um, make money. I was reading a statistic that the number one reason that businesses fail is they don't have a market for what they do. Mm. So understanding people and being able to apply my understanding, which is technical and marketing stuff was pretty easy. Um, So I think that was a a natural way for me to, you know, provide a a type of life that I wanted. But yeah, at no point when I was younger, did I think I would be a business person? Did I consider it? It happened after being a director of marketing for a company and growing that company really fast and seeing that, oh, wow, like, I know how to do this and I do this stuff pretty well. I think I can do this for myself. Yeah. And, <laughs> and years later, after working there in a few jobs and having kids and um, a few things, um, it's something that happened. So, yeah. Wonderful. What about you? What about you, Valerie? Oh, well, I always wanted to be a teacher as a kid. I would play school in my bedroom almost every afternoon. Hmm. Um, and I loved creating content. I loved consuming content. Like that's when I look back at like what I, how I used to engage with the world as a kid. And then as a teenager, like that was a consistent thing. I always, and you know what, I don't know if I've ever verbalized this, but I always thought it'd be cool to work for a magazine. And now I get to make content for tons of small magazines every day for my clients. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm similar to you in the sense, I honestly, I don't even know how old you are, but I know we're in similar ranges where social media and digital marketing was not a thing when you were a kid to say like, I'm going to be a Mm -hmm. Facebook ads manager, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Facebook wasn't a thing. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I ended up going down the architecture route Mm. and getting out into the world right around the time that the housing market collapsed wow. and no one was building anything, even in commercial stuff, you know, the, the, the recession kind of hit and construction, architecture, engineering, they were doing layoffs left and right. And I saw that happening and I was like, uh, is this a wise industry to stay in long-term? And so I ended up getting, um, you know, and around the same time, I was also just, while I still had a job, we moved and I couldn't get a job in architecture once we moved. And so I ended up taking the design background of my architecture degree and getting in with an agency and doing graphic design. And it was around the same time that Facebook and Twitter and all those things became a thing on businesses' radars and a tool that they could even use. And so I started, they were like, you're young, you know how to use Facebook. You come use this for our clients. And so that was the start for me. And, you know, have been learning at grassroots, you know, trial by fire on the job ever since. But, you know, I I feel like I use my design background. Mm -hmm. I feel like I use a lot of the principles that I used to get me through 
my architecture degree, a lot of those skills, presentations, digital market, like digital uh, design, um, communicating clearly about a concept. You know, you design a building concept and you would have to defend it in front of your whole class and all of the professors and they would nitpick it apart. You know, we use those skills day in and day out when we're talking to a client and it's all mm -hmm. about how do we, you know, whether you're building a building or you are creating a website or a landing page or an email campaign for a client, you are catering it to what they need. You're listening to what they need, meeting their needs, presenting some sort of innovative solution to it. And then you have to sell them on it. You have mm -hmm. to pitch it to them. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of parallels that I've seen. Obviously, like I'm not dealing with building codes and, you know, handicap, you know, measurements on things and, you know, all of that. There's definitely, it's not a hundred percent parallel, but I do feel like I, a lot of it transferred. So yeah, I, I think one thing that you're saying ties in also to the name of your podcast, like marketing wins um, and that like you were aware of what trends to hop on. And you were also aware of how to pivot effectively. And I think when it comes to the name of the podcast, Marketing Wins, yeah. um, to use that, I, I think that's the same thing that makes people successful now in their marketing. And, and probably what makes you successful too is trends aren't the things that are foundational to any marketing campaign or any business, but they're supplemental. But sometimes the thing that starts off as a trend becomes the main thing. So it's hard. And I think that's why a lot of people ask, should I be on LinkedIn? Should I be on Instagram? Should I be on TikTok? Should I be on Facebook? Should I, should I, should I, should I? And yeah. um, it's always hard to decide what to do. But I think even in listening to what you're saying, there was something about leveraging your core skills, staying within your strength but then also trying something closely related to it. And I, I think um, that's a core part of anything in life, not just marketing, but I think that's like a life win. Yeah. And I think we both have to do that now in growing our business and in marketing for clients. It's how much do we decide to hop on this new trend? Um, or when five people ask us about it, do we do it? Because they ask us about it and we know that it might not survive. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's always like a hard thing, but I, I love that you kind of picked your core, stayed close to what you knew, design, but then you reached out a little bit. And I think that's just a very good point for other people listening and for myself too, just to remember in our marketing, in our business, in our life, that things do have to, to change and we do have to pivot. I mean, change, it's, it's so cliche to say, but like change is inevitable and it's it around every corner and it's it's kind of a sobering thing when you're in digital marketing mm -hmm. because it's honestly it is the norm mm -hmm. well and, and changes marketing. it's like stressful that's why we get tax breaks for it yeah if you get a kid a change in your life you get a kid you get a tax break if you move you get a tax break if you buy if someone dies in your family like there's all these these things that even the government realizes that change is a major stressor. It's a, it's a big thing and it's hard to do. And I think to be able to constantly change and update 
is good, but it's better if we approach it instead of letting it happen to us. And that's, yeah. that's the key is approaching yeah. it. Well, and even, you know, in our mastermind, we've, I've shared a lot about just my, you know, my journey in just managing my own business and managing my client load. And, and I had this epiphany one night of just that I had become reactive to everything that was coming my way. And it was all good stuff. It wasn't bad. Like there was nothing inherently bad happening in my life, but I wasn't thinking proactively. I thought I was, but I just was reacting in a positive way towards mm -hmm. what was coming my way. Um, and instead of, I should have been more proactive. Um, it's kind of a rabbit trail along what you were saying, but I do think like having that proactive approach and I think just having that realistic approach that like, Hey, you have to continually be changing. And if you, I think if you have that mindset of I'm going to be changing regularly, like this is just a normal part of my life or my brand's approach is going to have to constantly be changing. It just allows you to not get stuck in like, well, we've done this weekly newsletter this way for 20 years and we're never going to change it mm -hmm. versus making slight pivots, you know, that like, uh, you know, 1% change on a regular basis, pretty soon you're facing the opposite direction of where you were um, and you're able to adapt to things. It doesn't feel like this drastic 180. Oh, suddenly my business is all focused on LinkedIn instead of these digital newsletters. It was such a subtle shift because you were willing to move and be flexible that it was okay that you made that shift and it didn't feel like a drastic thing versus, you know, doing a complete 180 all in one turn that can get you dizzy. Yeah. But if you make those little subtle shifts pretty soon you realize like, okay, well, Hey, maybe making this one shift, maybe I jumped on, you know, YouTube and LinkedIn and YouTube didn't pan out, but that's okay. Like one little thing, it was only a 1% thing. I can correct that quickly and keep moving. Whereas like you go all in on one thing and sometimes yeah. that, that feels a little, little too extreme. So I, I, I don't know. I've just seen like, if, especially in social media, if you're willing to take the risk to make those and get comfortable with those small changes and not getting stuck doing the one same thing over and over again, you'll have more success. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I think what you're saying is also based in psychology and goal setting, goal achievement in that um, you generally want to set positive goals instead of negative goals. A positive right. goal is what's something that I want and I'm willing to work for and I'm willing to work towards. And that's the whole idea of it approaching negative goals are going to be avoiding. So it might be um, a simple one for a person like me might be, I don't want to eat chocolate at nighttime at 11 o'clock at night when I'm just going to eat it unconsciously yeah. <laughs> and eat too much of it. And the goal is to consistently approach things because then when there is change, we have tons of examples of businesses like Kodak or other filmmakers that when things were going digital, they didn't make the change. Right. Um, they didn't make that 1% um, or even more because they were just 
setting avoidance goals or negative goals um, instead of saying, well, how do we approach this in a new way? And that's a hard thing to do. It's an extremely hard thing to do when it's new, but the more you do it, the more um, it becomes a habit, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, we actually saw each other last week in person at a conference and one of the things that I walked away from that with, and I don't know that any of the speakers actually said it, but it just was some, something somebody said triggered the, the phrase of just to stay curious. And what you just said reminded me of that as well, of just like, you know, if Kodak had stayed curious about what was going on with digital photography, could they have kept their foot in the door, you know? And so like right now I'm doing this TikTok thing for like a month. I'm not, in my mind, I'm telling myself, I don't have to go all in on this forever, but I'm going to experiment with this. I'm going to play around with it and I'm going to stay curious with it. And if it's something viable, great. I'm going to learn from it. Um, If it's not a long-term part of my strategy, that's okay too. You know, but I think we have to like make space to be curious, at least on some level. Um, And I really appreciate that about you is that it seems like you're always kind of keeping an eye out for what is the next thing that's going on? Where should I be paying attention to things? Um, So I I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. I wanted to verbalize that because I really appreciate that about you and having, having a friend like you in my life that is encouraging me to think ahead on some other things that may not be on my radar already. Yeah. Well, I I think that's the, the benefit of um, having other people around. Um, So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, you've obviously seen a lot, you're, you've got an, a, a pulse on a lot of different things at the moment in the digital space, not just on the marketing side, but kind of the big larger picture, crypto, NFTs, what's coming in the future for mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Um, as you look at somebody that's thinking about like, how do I, you know, stake my claim here digitally? what would you say would be your advice for somebody who wants to get like a, a good quick win um, where they can feel like they're moving the needle for whether it's their online brand or just their online presence at large? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it the first thing is going to be the simple thing. And that's just going to be to write a goal. Um, I know that that seems very vague, but it's so easy to go out and accomplish something that you don't want. Or it's so easy to go out and accomplish something. And then after five years to figure out, okay, well, that's not really the thing that I wish I would have been spending during that time. So um, this is very uh, simple thing to do, but I would recommend people just write a short vision statement for the next year. And the next year, I would like this thing to happen in my life, this thing to happen in my work, this thing to happen with my relationships and kind of go down. And um, it could be longer, it could be five years, and then write the opposite of it, of in the next year or five years or however long, I don't want this thing to happen to my family. I don't want this thing as a, as a way to really have a strong North Star, like something you're pursuing, and a strong South Star of something that you don't want. And I think uh, without knowing people individually, there's a million things they could do but everyone's different. Everyone's the hero of their story. So I think starting by writing your story, is going to be the place to start. 
And that is where you go after that. And if it's something that you want to market in your life, there's options. So let me give an, a second part. Okay. <laughs> that was the first part. I love it. The second part, um, specifically for marketing, is video, short content video is king right now. There's the idea that content um, is king. Um, I'm going to say yes, but short form video is king. Um, more people um, are getting data plans around the globe, not just in America, around the globe where they can watch YouTube. They can watch um, YouTube shorts specifically. Uh, Instagram reels are competing with uh, TikTok. So I just think short term, short form video is the way to go. And the thing that it allows people to do is to start figuring out their core message and understanding how to market their message and not just hiding behind what has been okay. And I've started doing that, as you know, because we've talked about it uh, with TikTok, but um, a big thing for me has been to create content on TikTok for a new business that I'm creating that has nothing to do with marketing, but to do with new ideas that I've read about, I have a lot of experience with, but I've never um, tried to grow that business. And I think short-term, short-form video is the way to go. And there's a, a place for anyone um, that does almost anything. So if you're not a great speaker, if you feel that you're camera shy and you don't look great on camera, um, if you feel you don't have the right capabilities to edit, um, you are not excluded. There is a platform for you and there are people that would love to see you doing your thing the way that you do it. So I would say anyone will get a marketing win if they can create the most amount of video content that sells the thing that's important to them. Yeah. And that could just be community or their product or their service. So get started. Love it. Love it. Yes, I will. I will agree with that statement that short form video is king. So that's definitely a trend that I'm seeing in the it work I'm doing with yeah. clients. And it's it's hard because, you know, people have been dragging their feet on video for years. So it's hard because we've been folks. telling them <laughs> it's coming and it's it's here. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, well, great. Well, um, if people want to get more from you and learn more from you, where uh, should they go look for you online? The best place is my website, um, Joseph. Bojang, B-O-J-A-N-G, as in gecko.com. You can find everything that you need there. And uh, that's a good place to go. Awesome. Well, thanks, Joseph, for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing some of your wisdom with our listeners and those that are just being a fly on the wall. And and thanks just for all the wisdom that you share day in and day out on your TikToks and on your other uh, forms of content that I see you putting out on social. So thanks. Thank you, Valerie. It was a great time. If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.